We hear a lot of perspectives on the Mankind Podcast. Inclusion of a guest is not an endorsement of their views, and the opinions expressed here do not always represent the mission or values of the Mankind Project USA. Looks like the rain Today, has welcome gone. Welcome to another episode of the Mankind Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Clift. And this is the show where we break the molds of modern manhood to prove there is more than one way to be a man. And some of the ways we do that is we talk about sex, baby. And uh, yeah, I don't know how I end up in these conversations, how I'm the one usually leading these conversations, probably because I feel like such a white belt in this world. Uh, But we thought, why not bring in the big guns? Dr. Lex James, thank you so much for being here and being on the show. I'm super excited. I, you're doing the work because you're doing the work. Yep, exactly. Got to lean in and uh, hopefully give the listeners a chance to go second. So known as the sex doc, Dr. Lex James is a sex therapist, educator, podcast host, and media consultant who runs the Institute for Sexual Intimacy with two best-selling books on Amazon, most notably, These Are My Eyes, This Is My Nose, This Is My Vulva, and These Are My Toes which was written to help give children of all genders and their caregivers the ability to normalize their body parts. As the host of the Talk Sex with Lex show, her listeners are given the chance to be a fly on the wall in Dr. Lex's office as she takes clients through their intimacy challenges. Now, Lex combines her therapy Mm -hmm. and education to create a well-rounded experience for her clients with the goal of leading a shame-free sex education movement. So... Welcome yes. to the show and shout out to Dr. Jolie Hamilton for the introduction. Yes. Hi, Jolie. Thank you so much. Jolie's amazing. I'm so happy to be here. This is such a dynamic project. Mm, it really is. And uh, I have to say, for those listening and can't see the actual image, your t-shirt says penis genius. <laughs> it does. It does. So let's start there. What's a penis genius? <laughs> Oh, there's so much about the penis that people just don't know, right? I always tell folks, especially when we're doing like a sex positive you, which is basically my theme for this year with shame-free sex ed, not having shame around our body parts, not having shame around our pleasure. Like if you don't know what side of your penis is more sensitive than the other, then you have some homework you need to do. You have some exploration that you need to figure out like, oh, what side is more sensitive than the other? On my penis, I don't know. I, I, but I why had don't those you fun know? conversations, like when my wife and I first started dating and getting together. I was like, believe it or not, like the last fifteen percent of it <laughs> on the underside, <laughs> believe it or not, <laughs> like not the yes. whole thing, just like the last little bit at the end. At least in my case. Yeah, well, in yeah. most cases, that's your frenulum. So for most folks, that's pretty sensitive. It's a great bundle of nerves. <laughs> but folks tend to not think about like their own pleasure around their genitals, around their body, and specifically folks with penises. It's all focused on the penis, right? Like you tend to miss out on like whole body pleasure because you've just been taught like it's all about the penis. So penis genius means I know a little bit more than maybe regular folks about the penis. There you go. You taught me something. I didn't know what the bundle of nerves at the end is called. Um, <laughs> yeah. there you go. Penis genius. You know, at 16, I thought I was a penis genius, but what do you know? There's still lots to learn. <laughs> oh my gosh. So much to learn. Such a fun age, but so, so much, much to, learn. to learn. So explain to me what shame-free sex education looks like and how does it differ from what you, I, our parents and our ch- children are being presented? 
Oh my goodness. So shame is the idea that you are wrong and you are bad and you're unlovable, right? Which is different from guilt. Guilt is you feel bad and somebody makes you feel bad and guilt you into doing something because you feel bad about it. Shame is. And doors open, someone walks in. (laughs) Right. And that, right, you feel bad. You're like, oh, you have to person, smell that too, right? Before they just left and got out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But we've been teaching about sexuality. So not just intercourse, right? S-E-X, but sexuality about bodies, smells, size, testy hang, hair, all that stuff with ill. Nobody's going to love you or want you if it looks right. like this or if it doesn't perform like this. So we've been shaming for a very long time. Typically in hopes that, one, you don't do it, because that's what we try and do to kids. If we shame them, if we make them feel bad about it or unwanted about it, then they won't do it and ultimately lead to unwanted Mm. pregnancies or possibly sexually transmitted infections. And then, two, as adults, right, we're we're trying to find our connected other partner. And so it's often like, let me not have anything that I can be shamed or rejected for which is impossible. There's 8 billion people on the planet. Like everybody's going to want something yeah. different. And so shame-free sex ed undoes some of that messaging. So you can really own your own messages that are consensual, that are positive, and then go live your best life in the most pleasure mm. possible. I'm, yes. Amazing. Unshackle those chains of shame around sex. Um, you know, in my time in men's work, it's blown my mind how much transformation has occurred uh, in and around the realm of sex and and how much trauma mm-hmm. is uh, occurs there too um you know the, the most common narrative is it's the most common more commonly experienced uh, by women however not a lot of people know one in six men have been sexually uh, uh, harassed or abused and you know mm-hmm. it's a conversation mm-hmm. that needs to be had and you know i we said this in our uh, pre-interview was I wonder how many dictators and tyrants got taught I'm using my air quotes here got caught masturbating to the yeah. wrong thing or the wrong magazine right and air quotes and then now they mm-hmm. feel like they have to get back at the world or you know use power to dominate yeah. others because they were shamed right right exactly and same I I know that one in six statistic is the one that goes around and I contend that it's more because we don't look at the sexual abuse of boys in the same way as we do as people who are queer or people who are girls right so with boys and I can um, share because I have permission my dad had sex at eight with a babysitter that's sexual abuse eight years old that's sexual abuse That's not like, oh, yeah, you know, kudos, you got some because you were young. No, no. Like, if I met that babysitter, I would have fought her for my father. Like, it's inappropriate. It's not okay. But my dad wouldn't say that he was sexually abused. He wouldn't say that he was sexually assaulted. He would say my first time was when I was eight. There really is a lot of destigmatizing conversations to, to be had around this like there's the common uh example you may have heard of like a male teacher gets caught having sexual relations with a female student and then the male student gets caught having sexual relations with a female teacher and dudes are high-fiving and Mm -hmm. being like nice yeah like heck yeah like that guy yeah um yeah people don't fully understand the trauma that occurs in those power dynamics and 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 mm-hmm, how easily mm-hmm. manipulate how much how easy 
it is to manipulate. Yeah, yeah. And this whole, it it chapped my ass. Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to hold you. This whole idea of women perpetrators are looked at as, oh, she fell in love with this 14-year-old, 15-year-old boy. And, you know, she wanted to have his baby versus like male teachers are just looked at as like sexual predators. And I'm like, they're both sexual predators. And women typically get off with lesser sentences. They oftentimes will have more Mm -hmm. access to their victims after being found guilty. And it's completely problematic because, again, we're big up being, ah, you you smash that older Mm -hmm. chick. Because this whole idea of what masculinity has to be to be performed Mm -hmm. so men can feel valid is complete made-up bull. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's go there. Um, Notches on the headboard. Right. I remember counting. Like, I remember counting and being like, oh, yeah, it's up to whatever arbitrary number. And then talking to my friends about that and wanting to recount sexual experiences. And there are some sexual experiences that are fun to recount because they're wild, crazy, sure. But from a place of, it's from a cleaner place than like trying to up myself to be some performer, some stud. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. you get to a certain age where you're like, that, that is not a measure of success anymore. <laughs> that really isn't. No. As a married man with a kid, like, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm, where do you think that has stemmed from? And, you know, I'm sorry, one moment, quick pause. Are you getting like a high? I'm just going to do a quick audio check if that's okay. Okay. Thing on my end, I had you freeze a little bit okay. in the beginning. I'm getting a, a whistle and, and like a really high pitch buzz right now. Do you mind checking your audio? I just muted you to see if it was coming on your end. Um, That's so yeah, weird. Let me time check this too. Okay, whatever you just did, um, fixed it. Oh. Yeah, there's, there's literally nothing else plugged Strange. in. Strange, yeah. It was like this uh, this high-pitched buzzing. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Note to self, get new headphones. No. <laughs> I just had to upgrade myself. My, my old faithful is was no longer faithful to me on that one. So I can easily... Pi- these are like my my just wired ones. Again. It just happened again. I'm gonna see if I can fix it again. And that, not yeah, sorry, but I, I don't know what would be happening. What's going on? Me either. And also, just might be time for a new laptop. Mine's starting to like mine's starting to threaten its uh, existence. I have random keyboard things. It's like we're gonna type two numbers uh, today. Uh, yep. I don't know why. Are you still getting the high no, pitchness? I'm not getting it now, but I'll, I'll let you know if it comes through. Um, okay. So we're at 11.20 and we'll pick it up. Cool. I timestamp so it's easy to cut. Uh, I'm okay. glad about that. <laughs> um, all right. Three, two. So, yes, like notches on the headboard. I remember that time in life where that was such a measure of success. We're talking late teens, early twenties. I remember counting. I remember thinking like, Oh, I'm at 
X arbitrary number to, I'm not going to flex right now. (laughs) (laughs) Nor do I think there's anything to flex about, but, but you know, that, that was a measure of success. That was a measure of worthiness. And, you know, I I could, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I could say, oh, well, it comes from the man box, but I want to ask you, like, where does that stem from? Where do you feel like it's put into us as young boys or men to use that as a, as a measurement tool? Yeah. So it's, it's, I think it's partly natural, right? So in nature, we have all of these ways that the male species attracts the female species, right? If you all had tail feathers, you'd put on a dance. Yeah, we've seen the David, like, who the dances David the best? Like dances. I get so much joy <laughs> yeah. watching those things. <laughs> right. So I'm like, yes, this is, this is who mm-hmm. I want. Right. And somewhere along the line, we were taught that a man's value increases with the number of bodies he gets. Whereas a woman's value decreases because she's been uh, used up. He's right? the stud. She's the and slut, so like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Golly. And so that, and also we unfairly expect men to know everything about sex and sexual pleasure. Mm. We unfairly expect men to be mind readers. You're all supposed to be like Xavier, professor X and be like, Oh, I know exactly what they want right now. Cause I'm the best lover ever. And boys get coded this message very yeah. early. It's why they start to research mm-hmm. using porn, which is like the poorest tool to research yeah. because that's not what sex actually looks like. And everybody is literally an yeah. actor. So they're trying to use those tools of like, I'm supposed to know. I'm supposed to know what a woman wants. I'm supposed to know how to please a woman. I'm supposed to know exactly what she needs. And I can't have it be on my reputation that I am bad mm-hmm. at this because then nobody's going to want to sleep with me. And the social score goes down. And on that, I remember I when I was younger, I had a much older partner, and I remember her being like, "Stop, just just stop." And I was pulling out all these moves and porn that I had thought, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, thought mm-hmm. were what you do, like these kind of posing moves and all the rest. And she's like, "Stop, move your hips, learn how Aww. to move your like actually like <laughs> tilt your hips, move your hips. Don't try and use your whole body as a plank or whatever." And I had no idea. I had no frame of reference in a full workout yeah, but i had someone um oh. able to kind of coach and guide and so we opened a dialogue to be able to find out like what each other wanted and what each other liked as opposed to yeah me having to guess mm-hmm. that because i remember the pressure being like she's 10 years older than me like i mean she's probably had all these sexual partners and i'm a chump i'm a young kid who doesn't yeah. know anything nor do i am i even confident in the size of my penis so like there's that yeah um, so yeah, th- there is so much. I remember the fear, the absolute fear. But also, like, remember sleeping with the the people your age, mm. and like sleeping with women and girls, and they didn't right. know. They didn't know what they liked. Sure. Yeah. So they they couldn't tell you. They were just like, I have to make this person feel yeah. good. And so then we got people who were lying to others. <laughs> like, yeah, I came. Uh, sure, I knew it. And then we have the <laughs> orgasm gap, right? And now we. <laughs> Like, this is why. This is why the orgasm gap exists. Because we have a whole bunch of people out there thinking that they're doing a great job when they need to learn how to move their hips. I don't want to assume. What's an orgasm gap? Ah, so there is a gap between men and women when it comes to orgasms. The largest gap is between heterosexual men and heterosexual women. So heterosexual men, like, say that they orgasm about 98% of the time that they have sex heterosexual women it's something like 38 percent of the time 
Uh-huh. But homosexual women, it's like 88% of the time. Uh, homosexual men, I think it's still like 92% of the time. My numbers might be slightly off. But basically, <laughs> between straight women and straight wow. men, a whole bunch of straight men are coming. A whole bunch of straight women aren't. To give my naivete, and I know I'm not the first person to ever say this, but is it because you believe that the person knows their body more akin to their partner being of the same physical, same, same sex, sex, right? Like, yeah. Uh, well, no, I think it's because women who are sleeping with men don't tell them the truth. Ah, right. I don't. I, I think women are lying to men for ego. Oh, really. Because, like, it, it could be deflating. Be like, look, that sucks. Right, yeah. So, so they're trying was to protect not fun. men's ego by saying, like, oh, yeah, that was me and my wife have to have a conversation after this. It's <laughs> 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 a good way to check in. It is a good check in. Good check in. I don't think Especially that's a great post, idea. Especially post but yeah, and things, you know, obviously there's things, things change. Things change, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so th- so there is this this gap. What would you attribute the gap to being between heterosexual partners? Oh, so lack of knowledge and also a belief that the penis is the end all be all the sexual pleasure. So up to like seventy seven percent of women do not orgasm from just penetration oh. alone, mm-hmm. right? So they need something else. So it's a very small percentage, but some men are just like, "Let me get in there. This is great." And as my mother says, they want to fuck you through the headboard. Mm. And she's like, people actually don't want that regularly. No. Some folks might, but most folks don't. Time and, place. and you're relying solely on your penis. Yeah. If you're relying solely on your penis for sexual pleasure, because that's where you get most of your sexual pleasure from, there's probably going to be a yeah. mismatch. That is, yeah, there's, I can, in my experience with my wife, I can, I can definitely like attest to that. Very rarely is there a time and place where it's like, rawr. <laughs> right but more often than not it is like it's slow it's communicative it's um you know it, it's taking cool ready to rock yep all righty so please excuse some technical difficulties uh but we are back and where we were at was that um you know oftentimes proper like oh, no, i don't say proper but the greater intimacy of sex with my wife has often taken it slow communicating mm-hmm. and just like really even after as long as we've been together trying testing you know different little things um that often yields a chance for me to beat my chest and be like ah <laughs> <laughs> Did I, <it>. making somebody <laughs> like i think specifically making a woman come is one of the best feelings ever like, more, more than more than what I feel. Let's just say, it, yes. Like, yes, I did it. Like the first time I did it, I was like, "This is what it's about." There you go. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would like to. I would like to do that again because you feel yep. so accomplished. Yeah, thirty eighth percentile. Yeah. <laughs> facts. 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 So and also, um, you're talking about play, though. You're putting the play mm. in pleasure which is amazing. So you're trying out little things, figuring out what's fun. And mm-hmm. I think that's the part of pleasure that we kind of get away from because we get so orgasm centric. It's supposed to be play. And actually research does show that typically right after a woman ovulates, so after she's no longer like able to get pregnant anymore, mm-hmm. 
She actually really likes oral sex, performing and giving. Typically, that person likes it. And they're very sexually satisfied with just closeness. Mm. They don't actually have to have like physical intimacy, but they just want closeness. Mm. And that is also really sexually gratifying. Wow. I can imagine uh, our listeners just pulling the car over, pulling out the notebook <laughs> and scratching notes down. And oh, like, I, let me repeat that. Say that again. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I think there's something to be said about the, the play element for sure. And I think a cool thing that's that's come up in our relationship is the ability to kind of advocate for the other person's needs mm. if, if the other isn't feeling it you know, really like, yeah, it's not going to be mine today. It can be yours. And there's joy in that too. Absolutely. Especially yeah. like you all are postpartum like recently, mm-hmm. right? And we talked, I'm seven months postpartum at this point and we yeah. have three kids running around. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. so, right. So things can be in our house have to be very timed, sometimes very quick and sometimes very quiet uh, depending uh, on what's happening. Sure. But with all of that being said, it doesn't always have to look like actual intercourse it can just be you know what I don't want to do this I'm not really in the mood and I really really urge lovers not to do it right Mm -hmm. if your lover says they're not in the mood do not like just slam your dick on their butt and be like come on Mm -hmm. right because what's gonna happen is you're gonna get a dead fish they're just gonna kind of lay there it's not that much fun for you it's Mm -hmm. not that much fun for them and that's a great slide right into resentment Right. And that's not fun, nor does a happy relationship it make. Gotcha. Resentment how? Just because it isn't like, it doesn't feel, is it a consent thing or is it a, a, a I mean, there's nuance so, to it, I'm sure. Every yeah, relationship. it's not as much as a consent thing because what happens is they acquiesce, but it right. feels like an object, right? It feels like right. just being used like an object mm-hmm. that my needs and my concerns aren't pressing. So I usually hear the other side. So I hear the horror stories of like, mm-hmm. Well, my husband didn't want to wait six weeks because they were just in such dire need that I had really painful sex. Like after having a baby, after having a baby, I've I've heard horror stories of nurses walking in and because the, the person was still numb from birth, they were having sex. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. With a wound. Like that's a wound. No. (laughs) What if she, what if she tore? Yeah. Like. What if she, right. I mean, well, she can't feel it. She yeah. can't feel it, Brandon. So she's okay. And the doctors will just sew it back up. Oh my gosh. Right. Wow. So like there's, there's that. And that's extreme, but it sure. happens more often than not. But also being touched out, uh, always having somebody on you, having a bunch of people, including a little person, mm-hmm. literally depending on you to live. Yes. Also doesn't make for sex to want to happen. Like you're learning your body. There's a bunch of fluids leaking out of your body. You're yeah. exhausted. You're hearing phantom cries in the shower, even though the kid isn't crying. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, come here. Let's please your body. But it's more about pleasing my body. It's not fun. Yeah. I can definitely, I can speak on what you're saying. <laughs> and also we <laughs> rule out mutual masturbation. One of the things, well, my, my lovers sometimes hate me admittedly, and they also cheat. I always give them the homework to abstain from sex right. when we first get together. I'm like, okay, no sex for two weeks. And I, the one time I felt bad because it was somebody's birthday and he looked right. at me, he was like, but today's my birthday. Like, <laughs> I'm going to get, I'm going to get freaky <laughs> dirty sex today. It's my birthday, Dr. Lex. I was like, you better get it in before midnight. So it'll start tomorrow. But right. Right. You take it off the table to take that pressure away. Got you. Oh, so so you're you're in open relationships, 
No, I, when I'm working with couples. Oh, my, working my with couples. So monogamous. So oh, okay, boring. got yeah. you, got you. That's so what you boring. mean by your yeah. lovers are your. God. Yes, got yes. it. My couples that I work with, I take sex right off the table to take the pressure away. And what happens is, is most people feel like they sneak and get it in and it's exciting, right? It's exciting yeah. to not almost be caught or it's exciting to go against some authoritative figures, mm-hmm. Less, but it's also exciting not to feel pressure. And I, I see this mm-hmm. with men, they're often afraid of rejection all of the time because they're always the initiators because women haven't gotten the permission to be the initiators. So he, there's something to that. Um, this is a... Uh... I'm very, I'm very cognizant when it comes to this show. It's very easy to get people listening that might see things from kind of like a red pill lens or perhaps a more uh, progressive lens. And but, but I think there can be truth in a lot of areas. And and one thing I have learned from some of the uh, red pill folk that I follow, not that I'm a red pillar at all, but I think I need to, I need to follow these people to see where a lot of these narratives are coming from, is that. You know, what if there were so what if it was socially acceptable and normal for for the, the woman to take the tab to to pay for the first date mm-hmm. um or to initiate in sex? Mm-hmm. And I'm curious of your thoughts around that and, and from, from your lens, how you view that. Oh, I, I see it as so liberating. Mm. Um and so people are all like justice, equality, equity. Right. I really believe in liberation, which is the removal of obstacles that are in the way of our pleasure and joy. I want to get the ideas of what and who should do what out of the way. Do what works for you. Right. If you want to take your man on a date and pay for everything, maybe that's going to feel really good because it's not threatening his masculinity. He's not less of a man who didn't pay for a date. Yeah. He's not less of a man because his, you know, woman is initiating sexual contact desire. Like, I want you to come please me. Please yeah. do this. Are you up for it? Mm-hmm. And it's, they're not less of a man if they say no. They're like, no, I had a really hard day. I don't, I don't feel like dicking around. I'm good. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to chill. And that, that's that, absolutely okay too. That that is liberating to hear you say that because yeah, the, um, the, there is that argument that some people make around initiation Mm -hmm. that men feel this pressure to go up and walk up to the girl and they're the ones having to risk the rejection. Mm -hmm. Um, Yet they do it the wrong way. They look the wrong way. If they come on too strong or whatever, there's risks there, Mm -hmm. like very real risks um, that can be very damaging to yeah. to a person's confidence and so what if we lived in a in a world in a society where it was like look no but hey good on you for <laughs> right. going for it right not yeah. get away from me you creep or whatever or yeah. or that hard rejection i don't know i i would feel if i take myself back to my dating years that i don't know if if a woman came up and tried to initiate with me i'd be like Wow, <laughs> that's so nice. <laughs> I I I might have gotten laid a lot by going up to people and being like, "I think you're really sexy," and it just so happens they thought I was sexy too, and yeah. we could go do what we wanted to do. Uh, sure. So it worked for me. Um, 
And I will say that rejection, people tend to take so personally when it's really, it's not typically personal, Mm -hmm. right? So you're going up to somebody in a bar and they say, no, no, thank you. They don't know you. Yeah. They don't know who you are. They don't know anything about you. Yeah. So it, it, they can't be rejecting you personally. They could just be in a bad headspace. Yes. Right. They could just have a bad day or they could just not want to talk to people or they're just here literally to get a drink and dance the night away because they're dealing with stuff that has nothing to do with you. So sure. I really try and teach people that rejection is really about the other person trying to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. They're not ready to be in with you. They're not ready to engage in whatever personhood you want to engage in. And yes, sure. you want to engage in that personhood. And it sucks that you're not able to do so in the moment. And it's not a comment on who you are as a whole person. It is just a moment. Yeah, I like that. So it's kind of like, you know, it's the meaning you make of it really more than anything. And it says less about the other person for sure. Um the, the big thing I want to cover while we're together is talking about, you know, shame-free sex education and what that looks like starting yeah. with our young people. Um, yeah. But before we do that, I would love your take on pornography mm. because that's been something. So uh, I haven't touched pornography since my daughter was born, which I found really intriguing because um, I never realized until then that I've been, I just turned 30. I've been using porn more, like over 50% of my life. Yeah. At that point. I started when I was like 14. Yeah. And and to go without it, it was amazing how caveman I felt. Oh. To want to just pull my phone out and da, 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 uh-huh. and, and and jump on and use it. And I'm curious of, of your take because, you know, you'll hear people say, well, you know, you don't know if those women are trafficked or you don't know the circumstances. But then I speak to sex workers that love it, that are all for it. They love the yeah. expression. So I'm curious of your thoughts and, and what it could look like in a healthy and an unhealthy. Oh, okay. I'm loving this. I'm going to give you some naked homework after this. Uh, okay. <laughs> so one, 14, you're actually a little bit late. Uh, right. The average age right now is like 11. And before when I was a little bit younger, I was like 13-ish. Um, wow. Yeah. So 14, you're just you know, a little bit on the later side with discovering pornography. And it's also the type of pornography you're consuming. So there is like male gaze created pornography is what it's basically called. So it's kind of like from the male perspective, this is where you're going to see the big sausage meat pizza type. Or did you call a plumber? I'm here to lay the pipe. Right. So that's where you're going to see that type of porn. (laughs) It's some huge guy with a ridiculously huge penis that's hard for hours with some petite person who's hairless and screaming her head off. Like that's what you're going to see. But there's an entire different genre, which is called feminist based porn. It's a lot of uh, feminine producers. It has a lot of consent built into it. Mm -hmm. There are all sorts of body types. So if you're a person who likes slender people, there's slender people. If you're a person who likes more pushing for the cushion or cushion for the pushing, there's a little bit of more cushion for the pushing, but it's a variety. It's typically less racist, less sexist, and has a bunch of different caveats, but looks more like actual sex. So there's that. And we have trained boys to turn towards the internet and pornography to learn about sex because nobody wants to teach them. Right. Because nobody wants to teach them. Where is Fred Rogers when we need him? <laughs> Tell Amy's so good. I know. So good. 
I miss Fred. Gentle. Yes. Uh, but nobody wants to teach them. So there's this inherent idea that all men are bestial and can't can't control themselves, which right. is crap, which is absolute. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you you all are able to control yourselves. Yes, you have base desires, just like everybody has base desires. I don't think penises have to be weapons. They've no. been wielded as weapons, they've been used as weapons, they do not have to be weapons. And we too often treat them like they're weapons because right. that's the only reason, that's the only way people have known to be safe. Gotcha. Which is it sucks. Like it no. sucks. Uh, there's um you know, in, in our work in the Mankind Project, we talk a lot about uh the wild man, the inner wild man that's carnal, mm-hmm. that's primal, that that what that sees someone beautiful walk down the road and think, oh, I just, you know, want to taste and gnaw and grab. And um, mm-hmm. but it's something that is often repressed uh by our mothers. You know, don't you can't be loud, you can't be wild, you can't be aggressive, you can't be these things. I say mothers, it's also broader society. But when the wild man doesn't get authentic expression or a chance to uh, to be given breath, uh, it gets repressed. Mm-hmm. And so when I've had too many beers and someone walks into me at a bar and knocks my beer over, you know, this rage, this uncontrollable feeling comes out. Um, I think often as well when we see cases of um, sexual abuse, what was repressed in that person? Right. Mm. You know, what if, and I don't know if I have answers. I certainly don't, but, you know, I've seen people express their wild man in ecstatic dance mm-hmm. and, and seen them express it in, um, you know, doing some plant medicine journeys or, um, you know, I've experienced it and been told of experiences where, um, where the partner is just like, take me, just, just take me. Mm-hmm. And then they want to be taken and they want to be, you know, controlled. And so I see there's these healthy expressions of wild man energy, but when it isn't given voice, when it isn't given a chance to be humanized, to identify and understand that it's there, it can come out in a very toxic and dangerous Mm -hmm. fashion. Yeah. I, I concur with you on so many of those points. And I think the key part there is repression because Mm -hmm. I don't think it's just the wild man that's repressed. It's the human that's repressed the whole typically for men yes mm. men aren't allowed to be joyous and dance because then they're gay men aren't allowed to like laugh too loud because then they're gay right mm-hmm. they're considered weak they're considered sissies they're feminine yeah. or whatever it is mm-hmm. and so the the first victim of patriarchy are boys because they're taught to castrate their feelings oh, stop crying you're all right that didn't hurt it did hurt yeah that hurt like I have a right to access pain and a feeling. I am disappointed. I am feeling rejected. I am feeling less than. Mm-hmm. Man box. Like, right? And cone of silence gets put right over that man box. Yeah. And so all of those things get repressed. And then it is, I feel powerless. Mm-hmm. I feel voiceless. Mm-hmm. And I want to exact power over someone else. Mm-hmm. And the someone else is somebody weaker than me. So it's either a child or it is a woman. And they exact power over those folks. Yeah. I can see that. I've been a perpetrator of that and been a victim of it. So I I can definitely see how that how that comes out and how that comes into play for sure. There's and so the, let's get into let's get into this now. So let's get into this shame-free sex ed because yeah. um I have felt I, I have felt the shadowy 
Well, I have done shadowy shit because of my shame around sex. <laughs> Thank you for being honest. Yeah. I mean, look, I can, and and I I want to because um, you know, I did an interview which hasn't posted yet with a guy named uh Christopher Hemmings, and he very boldly and very bright bravely owned up to the toxic shit he's done mm-hmm. when he was in college. Yeah. And you know, I will own that yeah, I, I was at a festival once and there was a girl on top of a guy's shoulders and I grabbed her backside. And that's not cool. But I remember in the moment not even thinking twice because I it was just whether it was justifiable or not, it's something I felt like I could do. And that's mm-hmm. not okay. And that's nope. not cool. Right. Um but it happened. And there are other expressions of that coming out sideways yeah. from repressed sexual shame. So I want to, was there ever like an inciting moment or what has been your call to get mm. into this space and, and what need is being fulfilled? I'm trying to think of this so The call, I think the call is hard because I, I've been in the field for over a decade. Right. So right. I got my doctor very early. I got my doctor when I was like 28. Right. Um, Right. I like school. I went through it as quickly as possible. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I finished really early. So I've been a therapist and I, I finished my master's degree when I was like 25 or 24. So mm. I've been doing therapy for a very long, oh my God, for a very long time now. Uh, so I just realized it might be almost like 18 years. And I had always wanted to work with people in relationships and around sexuality. Mm. And I wanted to help them reduce this idea that you're not worthy. Uh, and I'm a recovering Baptist. So I'm from the South. Uh, I used to, I used to be in church every Sunday and Wednesday and occasionally on Thursdays and Saturdays. And this idea that the God that created you put you on this planet to suffer never sat right for me. Yeah. Like if God made you in his image, and loves you unconditionally to a point where all you have to do is repent for your sins and you were forgiven without any animosity. Why would he want you to suffer? So I never believed that. I was like, this doesn't make sense. And I see people suffering just with themselves, whether it's with their body and being comfortable in their body. And I'm a fat black woman, right? So there's that for me and society telling me that I'm not attractive and not pretty and not wanted and blah, blah, blah. Right. And all those constructs. And there's men with small penises. There's men that don't have abs. There's men that have bellies. There's men that are hairy. There's men that are balding. And so all of those messages that said that you're not good enough and nobody's going to want you. And I wanted to help people undo those messages because it's not fair. It's not something I think that we're supposed to be walking around with. And then we're robbed of pleasure. We're told to be quiet as children. We're told to not have our voices. We're told to betray our bodies. You're still hungry. Eat the rest of the stuff on your plate. Mm. Oh, you're not still hungry. You ate everything on your plate. Right. Right. Oh, pain is pain is weakness, leaving the body push. Mm-hmm. Right. We're taught to betray our bodies over and over and over again. And then when we get to an adult, we don't know what feels good. And we definitely don't know how to inhabit that with others. So I want to interrupt that cycle because it's been passed down so many generations because they thought that would save us. They thought mm. shame would save us because that's what was done to them. We're taught to betray our bodies. Mm. Yeah. Um, it was 
interesting watching my wife go through her pregnancy because uh, she's in wellness. She runs a humongous wellness program for a large company. And there's this expectation to be in shape. And growing up as someone who, you know, she was quite large, she got into fitness to lose weight. But then she said one of the worst, she says one of the worst things you can do for your mental health is get in the fitness space because <laughs> yep. there's an expectation to keep a certain form. And then the, uh, you know, the message that is then portrayed and, and, uh, that's what I'm looking for. It's perpetrated. Uh, mm-hmm. perpetrated. Just con- per- yeah. It just continues. Right. Yep. Um, and then watching her go through the pregnancy and this, this dichotomy of this beautiful blessing, this gift and, Oh, what are you doing to me? Right. Mm-hmm. And and watching her go through th- that message wasn't hers. Mm-hmm. That shaming, she didn't come up with that. That was given to her on a silver platter, thanks to how society, like pregnancy is this thing that happens to you. Mm-hmm. It's like you are weakened now that you are pregnant. And Christine's like, I am feel stronger than I ever have. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Performing such a miracle. Yeah. And th- these messages are so strong. And, and I have had to catch myself. I mean, I'm I'm no Yoda. I'm a still a white belt <laughs> in men's work. I mean, I've been around eight years now. And I still find myself uncomfortably making dick jokes or something, depending on the crowd, and then going. Who in this room has a serious challenge with their penis? Mm-hmm. And who did I just hurt mm-hmm. by my, making that throwaway common comment that you'd hear in any locker room? Mm-hmm. I mean, this was at a bloody like country club environment too, you know, so it happens everywhere. <laughs> th- 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 there is so much unpacking to do around this of how we are yeah, man. And then how men have been taught to treat female women's bodies and mm-hmm. uh, people's bodies when they're pregnant, right? As weakness, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Despite the fact that one pregnancy sex can be some of the best sex for people. I can care. Yes, right. Like all of the <laughs> blood flow, the juiciness, the I don't care if I'm on top and you see my belly. Yeah. Like you might be able to go harder than usual. So the some hormone. of that caveman might come out. The, the frequency. Yeah. And yep. it's healthier, right? Mm-hmm. The more sex a person can have, specifically sure. vaginal, actually helps yes. when it comes time for them to help push the baby out. Yep. Sometimes we even use orgasms to help stimulate labor. Because it has uterine contractions. We need those to help get a baby out. All right. And there's no, there's no chance that you're like actually penetrating the cervix. The baby's not going to grab your penis, right? All that type of stuff. But the idea, and I've heard so much trauma with like men being like, I can't, I can't like sleep with my, my wife because she's pregnant and I'm going to break her or Mm. I don't find her attractive because now she has this big belly and that's Mm. unattractive to me. Mm -hmm. Right. And this person that you've decided to bring a life into the world with, you're yeah. considering now unattractive and not wanting. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have pleasure with them. You don't want to share pleasure with them because of messages that are not your own. And we have to remember we're society. Mm-hmm. Us as a people, all of your listeners are a part of society, which means we all have the power to change the narrative. Each and every one of us can interrupt that message. Yeah. 
there is oh my gosh you are incredible i mean i am taking furious (laughs) notes here we are we're taught to betray our bodies with messages that are not our own and shame of all the emotions shame is in my judgment the least productive Mm. because i i I akin it to being knee high in mud Mm -hmm. just trying to like uh, move this way or that, that way to try and get rid of it um I, I hate it as a tool and, and i'm i'm with you um i around now i'm in the south we're in tennessee here and yeah. you know the, i have never experienced so much religion like i'm it's it's just everywhere um compared to where i grew up in australia australia being a predominantly atheist agnostic country right um that You're welcome yeah <laughs> Well, so, and so Christine and I are trying to find a church. I'm not Christian, but I, I love the idea of going somewhere, you know, somewhere for Bindi to make form her own opinions. Mm-hmm. Christine gets to, you know, scratch her own itch with her faith. Um, but, you know, somewhere where I can get some like motivational speaking. But what doesn't work for us is this, um, this, uh, this, the sinful, uh shame-based preaching of you are a sinner you have to repent you have to whereas christine's like no nah, i'm a bit more of a bit of a redemptive god you know <laughs> god that's like hey we're, we're in the king james version versus yeah versus the old bible got it we're not sure. fire brimstone anymore no even though the fire brimstone has more dragons and fancy stuff I- <laughs> look jesus flipped tables and cracked whips People there you go. Wanted, like Jesus flipped tables and cracked whips. So and sat and had dinner with whores. So there, there <laughs> you go. Want to paint this picture. Sure. But okay. But but how much of and I have some stories that aren't mine to tell. But I've witnessed um, sexual shame, well, the results of sexual shame in you know I was living in Utah and did a lot of work with LDS men and mm-hmm. golly I've never having not experienced what they experienced i've never been mm-hmm. so angry yeah. to hear what happens um same in australia and you hear an experience of guys who have just been completely kneecapped mm-hmm. sexually because of they were playing mummy and daddy with their cousin when they were six mm-hmm. and the aunt caught them and drugged them out in front of the whole family and shamed them right. like i'm sorry fuck that like yeah, that is I not know. the world I want to bring my daughter into. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, what is, what is the opposite of that? How do we create a new world? I'm, I'm curious, like magic wand, Lex, yeah. what is, what is your vision enacted look like for children and adults oh. as we, as we navigate the space and try and create healthier forms of communication and education around sex? Uh, my heart breaks for that six-year-old kid um, because what happens is we lean so much into innocence that we forget that it doesn't mean ignorance. Innocence so, doesn't mean ignorance. No. To, and we hear that, right? We want to keep our kids innocent. We don't, we don't, they don't need to know these things until puberty. And I'm like, whoa, uh, that's not true. If you taught your kid how to clean themselves, you're a sex positive parent. If you tell your child that they're beautiful, you're a sex yeah. positive parent, right? Because sexuality isn't just what people do with genitals. It's gender identity and being comfortable in the body and forming safe relationships and recognizing that that's a Mr. Raper person. Like that person is 28 and I'm 12. Why are they talking to me about yes. going out on a date? That's dangerous. Yeah. Like, 
that is being a sex positive parent, mm-hmm. right? We have the shame in us. We don't have to pass it on. And it was passed on to our parents. It was passed mm-hmm. on to our grandparents because they thought it was going to keep us safe. Yeah. And yeah. It, it didn't. It did. best, we know, we best know tools they had. Sexing. Right, exactly. Yeah. They didn't have access to internet at their fingertips. They didn't have mm-hmm. any of the research that we know that we sure. have. And so my thing, I will say my impetus started because I see so much and I hold so many stories about what humans do to other humans. That is awful. Mm. That is awful. And I remember hearing, well, we teach kids the proper anatomical names. We say a penis is a penis, a vulva is a vulva, an elbow is an elbow Mm -hmm. in order to help them report if something has happened to them. And when I had my own kids, I was like, hell no, no, what? No, I'm not trying to get to a point where they have to report. I want to get to a point where we prevent. Prevent. Right. And so with more knowledge, we prevent. So my kids say vulva and penis. It was one of their first five words mm-hmm. uh, for, for my two and they're five and four. Uh, mm-hmm. One's about to be six and I have a seven month year old. And at three, they knew these words. So if they came home using a different word, a purse, a pocketbook, right? Mm-hmm. A down there. I know somebody has been talking to my kid about their genitals uh, and now I need to get curious. You need to get curious. Yeah. Or exactly. another kid has been talking to my kid about their genitals. Yeah. Right. So I'm protective. Also, you mm-hmm. can't shame my kid. Well, you just said this about your vulva. If you don't do this, I'm going to tell your mom. And mm-hmm. my kid going to be like, my mom knows I say stuff about my vulva all the time. Tell her. Yes. Yeah. No. Like, <laughs> do, and, and do so, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so what you're doing is, yeah, giving them the ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, we're disempowering folks who would try and have power yeah. over our okay. kids. By giving them knowledge, that doesn't mean my kids are any less innocent because yeah. they know what a penis is. I will tell you super quickly, my oldest had an incident in the bathroom where a little boy pulled his pants down to show his penis to the kids. Like mm-hmm. he's just playing in the bathroom. It wasn't mm-hmm. anything insidious. He's four. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't a thing. And my kid said, put your penis away. That is inappropriate in this area. Mm-hmm. Right. But the girl <laughs> next to her was scared. She was like, yeah. what is that? How come they have that? Yeah. It's not the same. And my kid was like, that's a penis. Some kids have penises. Not all boys have penises, but that boy has a penis. He mm-hmm. needs to put it away. And then told the teacher. But she yeah. wasn't scarred from the incident. She didn't invite him yeah. to her birthday party because he was being rude. Sure. But that was it for her. Yeah. And she's already forgotten about it. It's not sure. a core it memory. Wasn't a, it wasn't a core memory. Um, nor did she feel compelled to shame him, Mm-mm. which I think is powerful too because he's a boy he's a child he's borderline toddler exactly exactly. (laughs) at that point right yeah i mean there one of my one of my nephews up until the age of five his favorite thing was drop run (laughs) (laughs) there's a party going on pants are off and he's running around in circles like a superman there you go yeah and no one was saying no one was shaming the kid actually we were kind Mm -hmm. of just (laughs) it was entertaining really like the freedom wow the freedom to be able to do that i don't like pants either you know like pants are trash i I agree (laughs) um so a common conversation that's happening around sex education now i've seen a lot of tension in florida mm-hmm. um uh, where you know people are and parents are, are rightly can rightly concerned about their kids mm-hmm. but you know um what is being taught how is it being taught we had this conversation before we started that you know you said that as an educator there, there is a national 
like there are guidelines, there, there are boundaries of what you can and can't teach. Mm-hmm. And there, and you said that there are people who are teaching sex education that isn't age appropriate, that, that they're, they're stepping outside of those boundaries, which I guess is what a lot of these parents are concerned about. Um, yeah. So a slight re- readjustment, right? There's sure. not necessarily a whole bunch of people that are teaching outside. It's assumed. Assumed, it's assumed that somebody's going to go and teach third graders how to have anal sex. Nobody's doing that. That's okay. not part of our national sexuality standards, right? Sure. But when parents see words like, oh, we're going to be queer, queer-based, right? Or we're going to have queer um, queer inclusivity. People right. are like, you're going to teach my kid how to suck a dick. Like, no. We're going to say maybe some people sometimes have identities where they feel attraction to the same gender. Mm-hmm. That's called being a lesbian, a gay person, or queer. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That, that's as far as it goes. And it talks about navigating relationships with all people. Yeah. It talks about interacting with inner partner violence because we've seen a rise in that with teenagers. So the thing in Florida is people are talking about like, don't say gay or mm. you're going to try and make our kids trans. No, trans kids exist. Trans yeah. kids have existed since the beginning of time across mm all global civilizations. Mm-hmm. There have been the Chipadaros in Angola, the Muses in Mexico, the Mahu in Hawaii, the Two-Spirit people on Turtle Island. They've existed across the Hidras in India, across all time. Right. But they have systematically been erased and literally like yeah. unalived over time. Right. Where like mm-hmm. colonizers fed people to dogs because they were different. So, so people may be reacting to because of um, legislation, because of you know society opening its m- collective mind, right, and and creating more acceptance. Many might feel their experience being like boom out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. There's all these trans kids that popped up out of nowhere. Whereas you're saying they've always been there, and they've. Mm-hmm followed many of them have followed heterosexual norms and done the thing that was expected of them because of the body parts they were born with but then they weren't necessarily given a safe enough environment to go i am trans i am actually not or they never even saw another trans person right right? we're worried about like you know so it's not model two two percent of the population but meanwhile we still have laws in the books that say children can get married with their like parents consent we still have 14 year olds getting married to adult people because of laws that are still right. on the books, but we're not going after those laws. Sure. We're going sure. after, you know, these folks that are existing and, and finding safer spaces. Gotcha. And like, not only are we uncovering and rediscovering and having people exist their own truth and trying to support them. Also, mm-hmm. we're not doing surgery on children. You have to be 18 and above to have any type of surgery on a body when right. it comes to affirmation. Sure. So it's a lot of just, unknown facts and a lot of fear tactics that are being used and folks don't understand so they hear these things and they don't go read them for themselves or it is scary but we assume kids are straight yeah right well and and nor should we be should we really be listening to most mainstream media anyway because they're just trying to pull out the scariest Mm-hmm. anger inspiring headlines to to get you pissed off exactly um anyway so more often than not like people were saying well so guys can just say i'm trans and walk into a woman's bathroom show me a single person who's done that 
like really like show me a single person who's actually done that right and we know um, that the harm from bathrooms doesn't actually come from trans people it comes from cis guys cisgendered males are the people who commit crimes in bathrooms right. and it doesn't matter the gender of the bathroom right right but so we're not talking about that we're not trying to reduce well, that crime and here's something that you know i have mates and i have mates that are in heterosexual relationships married to women, kids, happy band heterosexual that experimented with guys mm-hmm. that did. Mm-hmm. And some have shame around that. Some don't, oh. but like, it's like, maybe there is a spectrum there. Like I remember as, as a boy having guy friends that I just couldn't get enough of. Like, I'm yeah. like, Oh, they're the man. They're so cool. I want to be with them every second of the day. Do I want to kiss them or anything else no mm-hmm. but but there is that attraction there that if i was to even like eloquently deliver that at the time and place or oh, you're gay mm-hmm. you know right, and so we don't we don't validate platonic relationships that are still intimate between men mm. you have to you still have to hold the bro code yeah, because no. you're gay which yeah, is no. still like considered wrong for some reason yeah. and also the idea remember we talked about like that male um kind of bestial carnality that mm. exists for some reason that's considered higher in gay men so it's like gay men are unable to control their sexual prowess so they want everybody so even if like men i'm straight and that's supposed to deter a gay man because you have to like be deterred and deter gay men from like wanting you well that's that's one of the great strange. myths too right absolutely yeah. do your thing man but just don't don't come at me and mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, dude, don't think so highly of yourself. <laughs> like, what? But I bet you consent is understood then. Yeah. Ah, there you go. Consent is clearly understood then. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. There you go. That's a good, that's a good frame to educate around consent. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be respectful of time. So I, I want to yeah. ask you uh, with the time we have, um, how, how can a parent gauge their child to know what is truly age appropriate because that i imagine is a is a challenging thing to discover or figure out a friend of ours um shared with us that their daughter who's i don't know probably 11 or 12 was in the car and was like mom what's come (laughs) and she was like hmm okay now we're here here now this (laughs) and so so how um how do we gauge what it truly is age appropriate is it really like a child-led approach or you you tell me i'm I'm curious yeah no i think that's such a good question one i'd always ask what what do you mean by come like tell me what you think it is because sometimes they just mean another word right right right, right. let, let them the eliminate the possible need to have the conversation <laughs> right to see and then if they're really asking i would want to get curious I'm like oh where'd you hear that word because that's a really slang word for ejaculation, uh, which is a body fluid that comes out of people who have penises and testes. Mm. Or it can also be a fluid that comes out of people with vulvas and the fluid just looks different. Mm. Right? So uh, sticking to medically accurate terms and medically accurate information. Also, mm. if you don't know, tell them you don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Let me circle back and find out. But thanks for asking me. I'm glad that you trusted it because you're going to validate that they can come back to you. Smart. And you also bore them with medical jargon. So they're like, meh. <laughs> Well, they're just like, oh, because do you want yeah. your friends to learn their sex, your kids to learn sex ed from their friends or from you mm-hmm. or from the adult who is trying to mold them? Right. right. Because those people exist. 
and those people are giving your child information. And if we are the first bullies of our children, they go and find other safe spaces. Right. Uh, so, so these parents that are in Florida that are scared and concerned about how sex ed is being taught, one of the best things they can do is take the first, you know, be, be on the first foot and Please. have the conversation themselves and, and do the work. It's not the teacher's job or the sex educator's job to teach your kids about this stuff. You as the parent, as the legal guardian, it is your responsibility. Would love that. And all parents aren't going to feel equipped and that's fine. That's why we exist, right? Sex educators exist. There's some parents with trauma who just can't. Um, And that's absolutely okay. mm -hmm. You build a community that has like beliefs that is still medically accurate because out of our country, our entire country, only 17 states have medically accurate sex ed required in schools. 17. 17. Wow. So they can tell you all anything and it doesn't have to be medically accurate. Wow. Right. So I had a kid come to me crying, thinking she was dying because she just got her period and she couldn't stop the bleeding down there and asked me to tell her mom goodbye for her. Jeez. Right. Or the son you're raising, what's the son that you're raising going to do if he sees somebody bleeds through on their pants? Is he going to point it out and laugh? Or is he going to be like, hey, you bled through. Let me cover this up for you. You know, give me my jacket later. Yeah. What is your daughter going to do when she sees your kid within a like random erection? Yeah. Is she going to point it out and have people laugh at him because he's Mm -hmm. having a random erection that he can't control? Is she going to tell them that he's assaulting her because he's having a random erection that he can't control? Random erections are real, people. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's a part of puberty. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I remember the pressure of like, oh, God, not in this class. Right. Not in this class. Of all classes. And now they're thinking that you're attracted to like, you know, your your PE teacher or whoever. Yeah, exactly. And you're relentlessly teased for it. So like, who who are you raising and who do you want them to be? And at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, I ask every parent and I have not got a negative yet. Do you want your kid to have a shitty sex life when they grow up? Mm-hmm. I've not met the parents that's like, yes, I want it to be horrible. I want them to not enjoy it. And do you want them to learn the way that you learned? Do you, number one, do you want your kid to have a shitty sex life? Number two, do you want the, to, them to learn the way you were taught? Mm-hmm. Great questions. Right. And oftentimes the answers to both of those are no. So I, I don't, I don't need to know my kids' masturbatory practices. I don't need to know the sexual things that they're going to do when they're adults. I do need them to be safe. I need to know them to know that I'm a safe landing space. And if there's something they don't feel like they can talk to me or their father about, then they can talk to TT Marco. They can talk to TT Goody. They can talk to Uncle Ryan and get those perspectives. And dads need to be present in the conversation. Okay. So yes, this is something we spoke about. Um, you know, I remember, so we were talking before this and I was like, oh, um, you know, when my daughter goes through this, go talk to mom. And you were like, "Uh, uh-uh. she can talk to you too. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? Oh, no, actually I want to go there, but, but I also am still a little unclear of age appropriate. Like how do I identify? Oh, yeah. So what, what is appropriate. That? Yeah. So there are the national sexuality standards that you can look up and it actually goes by grade. It's like okay. by the end of second grade, they need to know the names of their body parts. They okay. need to know that they have a urethra, right? That's what they need to know at that age. They need to know an elbow. They need to start talking about consent. Okay. And so it is a little bit child-led, but you need to think about developmentally what's going on with their bodies. The Kids national sexual... sexuality standards. 
sexuality. Kids are hitting puberty as early as eight nowadays, Brandon. Yeah. Eight. That's true. You thought you had until 12 and eight. The average scene of porn is 11. 11 years old, people will see porn for the first time. Links in the show notes. Links in the show notes for that. We'll put that in. But but, okay, so it it does kind of give you an idea of what they should know by what time. Mm -hmm. And so how do you... How do you uh, Miyagi a kid who's possibly crossing the river too early in their development? Yeah. So I I don't know if there's a too early in their development because that's their developmental curve. Mm -hmm. What I can say is this is the safest way to go. Right. So what is safest? Is it safest Mm -hmm. for us to try birth control right now? Is it safest for us to talk about safe masturbatory practices? Mm -hmm. Do not heat up a banana in the microwave for a minute. It's going to be too hot. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Right. If you're, you should not use, I I had a client who used the end of a plunger for anal play as a teenager. Mm. I'm like, Ooh, no hygiene, no safety. Right. It's a wooden plunger. Yeah. Splinters. Nobody wants to explain that to a doctor. Put the apple pie on the windowsill for long enough. (laughs) Right. Right. Not a microwave because those are third degree burns now on your genitals because you hear things, right? People use toothpaste as lubricant. Like, whoa, the minty, fresh, like tingly feeling that they felt in their mouths. They thought that maybe I've also seen um, pictures of a grown woman using bleach as a genital wash because she didn't want to smell like fish. Oh, my gosh. Right. So people harm themselves around. So this this. is yeah. the information earlier rather than later. And if you don't know it. Go find out. And it's a consistent conversation. It's not just one time. Right. Right. You're, you're not you going to talk keep, about consent no, just one time. There's no birds and bees conversation. That's it. No, no it's <laughs> it all in pieces. Continuous it's conversation. all in pieces and it's continuous. It's a revisit of like, oh, yeah. hey, remember we talked about when yeah. somebody tells you no, that literally means no. And that goes mm-hmm. across gender. Mm-hmm. If he said no, that doesn't mean you go put your hands on him and force him to do something. He said no. Yeah. And that's it. Love it. I Yes, I'm. I really hope we empower our daughter to to have a healthy relationship with her body and with herself. And yeah, um, yeah no doubt we're not going to stick the landing in every conversation, <laughs> but to know that know that we're willing as parents to hang in that conversation with her and not not run from it or try and avoid it. That'll be. And you can always apologize. So you be like, you know what? I dropped the ball. Yeah. My bad. And yeah. it's never too late to go back and apologize. Sure. Yeah. I like that. So dads, bringing dads into the conversation. So um, yeah, the, the, the previous mold has been when the boys go through boy stuff, dad, you're in. When the girls go through girl stuff, mom, that's your job. But many people listening, single parent households, you know, you have mm-hmm. to kind of hold hold both roles in many ways. You have to be the role model um, in many different facets. So how do you empower a father to to get involved in these conversations with their daughters? Yeah, that's such a great question. And the thing that I can say I've seen the most in my therapy practice is women feeling abandoned by their fathers when they hit puberty. Mm. Oh, yeah. I've, I've witnessed that. Okay. Yeah, so they're like, my dad stopped playing with me. I wasn't able to like hop on his back or sit on his lap or like yeah. all of these things, this, this affection really changed and shifted to right. let me know that I was different now. 
Gotcha. Right. And that was very harmful for them. Sure. They started looking for that attention and in other places from other people. Because, yeah, there is this kind of, um, you know, Tom Brady gets a lot of flack from people because he kisses his kids on the lips. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's his kids. And if they're cool with it, then that's their, you know, like, but, but who am I to judge? And I can see how dads would get uncomfortable especially if their daughters are developing mm-hmm. you know and yeah so that's interesting yeah. and how, how often are you seeing that like I have to say so again I've been doing this work for over a decade but what I would say at least in like of the people who had dads who were active and there mm-hmm. I would say probably in about 70% of my cases wow when that woman hit puberty she felt some level of abandonment and pullback from her father and the wow. issue is, is because men aren't taught about female puberty, right? So in classes, when people had classes, they would right. separate the genders and maybe like, mm-hmm. this is the penis and this is what your body is going to go through. They didn't teach other folks about menstruation. Yeah. About, hey, there's going to be a physical change. There's going to be some blood, but also there's going to be a mental change. Yeah. And that mental change is going to look attitudinal. It's going to look yeah. moody. There's a thing called PMDD, which is a depressive disorder that goes with PMS. Mm-hmm. These are the signs of that, that something could be really wrong. Some people feel suicidal around their periods yeah. because of just hormone fluxes. People don't right. teach men that you have a hormone flux cycle like every 36 days, comparatively mm-hmm. to 25 to 28 days when you have rushes of testosterone. Wow. Right? So none of that stuff. So dads need a to get educated, to have mm-hmm. that information. And B, they are providing the model that their kid is going to be able to look for. How do you take care of your lover when she's on her period? Mm-hmm. How do you take care of your daughter when she's on her period? Yeah. Right? What do you expect? And she's going to learn how to expect that same thing. It should be caring. It should be kind. Yeah. We need to be maybe a little bit more sensitive because we are losing some blood volume and people might feel a little bit more sick. Yeah. It also, I think, shows respect from mm. the father to the daughter, like, mm-hmm. like respecting her and what she's going through, what she's experiencing. Well, um, you're getting in dicey water, Brandon. You know, parents don't necessarily need to respect kids. <laughs> oh, Christine and I were having that conversation. Like, how do we allow, because we're looking at all these different parenting styles and what comes is going to come natural to us and mm-hmm. um you know, I feel like I feel a calling to child-led mm-hmm. and, and that in very in very many ways, you know, we're going to probably be a bit more Montessori, I think, than, <laughs> than some other families. Um, but I, I could see that looking like, yeah, she's got a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Like my daughter right. has a seat at the table. Does it mean she has the, you know, the final say or determines the rules and laws? Maybe in some degree, but no, like for the most part, I think mom and dad have that, got to hold that down. Yeah. But yeah, like that mutual respect mm-hmm. and I, that... I think there's a difference there i'm sorry i cut you off no no I'm, i was done oh I, I think that mutual respect and again being from the south um i, I, do I was declare. <laughs> i do declare <laughs> yes uh, i do not speak my accent anymore the the idea of respect was you do what i tell you to do mm-hmm. which is actually power yeah what we want with our kids because is i said so mm-hmm. because i said so Authority is, I do understand where you're coming from and I value your position. Mm -hmm. And I want to show you that I value your position. And that's what we want our kids to be. Mm -hmm. So yes, I respect my kid. My my kid is a whole human. 
They're not just some little toy or doll I dress up. They're not devoid of voice. And I think specifically raising girls um, and for me, raising black girls, my job is to amplify their voice as loud as possible. Because when they get into the world, they will be told to turn it down regularly, consistently yep. in order to fit in, in order to flourish. So at home, I will amplify your voice as much and as loud as possible. So when you get into the world, maybe it'll be at a normal volume instead of diminished. That's so beautiful. That's so, oh, I'm feeling all the feels right now. <laughs> Gosh, I feel like we need a part two, part three. Sex doc, Dr. Lex, you are incredible. I, I am I am blown away. I've learned so much in this time we spent together. I love um, that we could go on some skinny branches together too probably felt more skinny for me in a sense because this is the world you live right helping layman's like myself better understand and 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 kind of open the mind a bit more and i definitely feel like i've had some perspective shifts for sure um just the notes i've taken furiously here are just it some highlights you know the first victims of patriarchy are boys you know we're taught to betray our bodies with messages that are not our own Mm-hmm. Um, innocence doesn't mean ignorant. Uh, and you know, do you want your kids to have a shitty sex life and do you want them to learn what and how you learned? Man, head explosion. Like, yeah, I'm 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 gonna try do things a bit different than how I was educated and and promise you I will likely wound my child in some form mm-hmm. or fashion in the process because that's yep. what parents do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's we wound our kids. Absolutely. But I, I think you're a yellow belt. You say white belt, but I definitely think you're at least a yellow belt. I'll take and it. <laughs> I am so excited that you're in the world doing this work. I'm so excited mm-hmm. that my kids are going to be in the world, sharing the world with yours and yeah. with your listeners who are like doing this transformative, like even listening, even being open to other perspectives. I'm excited for the world that we are raising because I think it's mm-hmm. such a world of beautiful opportunity. Oh, man. I'll tell you, I'm I'm in, I'm in. I want to, I want to be a part of this, um, a part of this, uh, this movement here. And I guess the best way to do that is to model it. Yeah. So, so Lex, uh, for our listeners, if you want to find out more about Dr. Lex, uh, you can go to lexsexdoc.com. That's L E double X S E X D O C dot com. Also check out the Talk Sex with Lex podcast. We'll have links to the show notes. Everything we mentioned will be in the show notes, as well as check out her book. These are my eyes. This is my nose. This is my vulva, and these are my toes. Um, linked as well, uh, a nice tool that you can use to help educate the young people in your life yeah. uh, and yourself around the human body. Is there anything I've missed, Lex? No, I, I think that's everything. I thank you for letting me have this time with you. Yeah, this has been wonderful. And and I want to say until next time, because I feel like we've pulled some threads here that we could really yank um, in, in many different directions. So I am grateful that you are out there doing what you were doing. Um, consider me an ally. I want to lower the boundaries as best I can to yeah. keep this message alive and growing and out there. Um, final, final question I have for okay. you. So we're pulling out the magic wand again. Okay. So... And, and you've probably answered this, but let me ask this for you. Magic wand. All of your mission comes to pass, right? 
this movement comes to pass, what do you feel like is the next step? What comes next? What is, what is, what do you feel like is the next hill to take or the next thing that lights your soul on fire? I I smile broadly at this. Um, If we can magic wand, all of these things come to fruition for the next generation. I really want to reach back for our generation and the generation before us, our parents. And for some of us are luckily for our grandparents so they can live full pleasure in their retirement, in their older Mm -hmm. and aging bodies. Um, It is sad what happens to older bodies. They're actually less touched with affection over time. Right. Um, And we we see them live so solo and so alone. I think that's so sad. Mm. So I think saying like, hey, what happened to you is not your fault. Yeah. I forgive you for what happened to me. And we can do this differently from now on because we're seeing such a rift between parents now with our age groups of like not talking to their parents and, you know, really isolating. So seeing that healing take place there, I think would be just harmoniously beautiful. I love that you bring that up because it's so easy to think about, well, previous generations fucked. So let's go to the next generation and try and fix it (laughs) where, yeah. And and I've had that experience being a young person in this work going, you know, I'm sick of work, sick of working with men after the fact when we could be doing a lot of prevention. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. But not to say, well, older fellow, this thing happened to you sucks to be you. I'm going to try and help the next generation because no, there's, there's intergenerational healing that can occur. Ah, beautifully and, said. And yeah, I love that. And I mean, you hear about these uh, retirement homes that just, <laughs> you have to go in and do some sex education in those oh places gosh. too. Raging STIs though. Raging, Raging STIs. STIs in that, you know, like grandpa Bob, good on you, mate. Get after yeah, it, but yeah. take care of yourself, sir. Oh, I threatened to fight my grandma's boyfriend. Because neither one of them could see the expiration date on the condoms. I had to read the expiration date to them on the condoms. Gosh. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Like this, this was from your college days. You can't use this anymore. (laughs) And I had to let, I had to let Mr. Sia know my grandma come back with anything. That's your ass. Like (laughs) wrap it up, sir. I don't care. (laughs) Miss Dorothy, whatever. My grandma come back with something because she gets regularly tested. Yeah. At at 75, she gets regularly tested. I'm gonna take you out. I'm coming out. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know you're the only person she went, homie. So he's you. thinking he's thinking I don't have to deal with her father. Right. <laughs> I have to deal with her granddaughter. <laughs> so, That's yeah. brilliant. So yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you for this time. I'm so grateful to have spent this time with you. I look forward to the next time we connect. And so guys, all the links to the show notes, uh, links to what we mentioned in this show will be in the show notes that you can get your hands on so you can follow uh, Dr. Lex and her journey and, and the incredible work that she's doing and join her movement. I want to take this time to thank you, the listener, uh, for joining us again this week for the Mankind mm-hmm. Podcast, the show where we break the molds of modern manhood to prove there's more than one way to be a man. What do you say, Dr. Lex? You reckon we did that today? I think so. I hope so. No, I know so. I know so. Lots of love. We will see you next week. Bye. This has been the Mankind Podcast produced in association with the Mankind Project USA. I have been your host, Brandon Clift, and I personally want to thank our guests for joining us today and imparting their wisdom from their experiences in this amazing journey called life. 
Now the fee for this episode is simple. If you found gold and insights that you believe could benefit your loved ones and those you care about, be sure to share it with them. And of course, remember that life doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. So long as we rip the pen out of fate's hand and become the author of our own story. So my friend, pick up the pen and we'll see you next week. Lots of love.